Welcome back to New Rockstars, I'm Eric Voss, and Rick and Morty Season 4, Episode 3, One Crew Over the Crew-Coos, Morty, will forever change the way you watch Ocean's Eleven, or Inception, you son of a bitch. But why does Rick hate heists so much? Is this episode masking a deeper conspiracy to reprogram us to hate the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I programmed you to roll your eyes. Welcome to Rick Explained, our Rick and Morty after show where we dive deep into the hidden agenda of each episode with special guests and share some hot takes that everyone agrees with. The title one Crew Over the Cuckoo's Morty is a take on the novel and film One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which isn't technically a heist story, but it does feature a crew of eccentrics plotting a creative breakout from a mental hospital. Really, the target of this episode are heist films, like the Oceans series, Inception, The Thomas Crown Affair, The Italian Job, in which con artists sleekly subvert and outsmart in a series of exhaustive reveals that everything we've been seeing is part of an elaborate, planned facade, all set to cool, jazzy heist music. It's also worth noting that two of the biggest films of 2019 were heist movies, Avengers Endgame, which featured its Infinity Stone time heist, and Spider-Man Far From Home, in which Mysterio uses implausible illusions to trick Peter Parker with insane reveal after insane reveal in order to heist away his magical sunglasses, which is pretty similar to how Heistatron and Rick out-reveal each other over two hours, conveniently the average length of a film. Well, not Endgame, that was Infinity Hours. Rick and Morty co-creator Dan Harmon hates heist stories. He dismisses them as hackery because they trick audiences into thinking they're seeing clever writing but really they're just impossibly smart characters needlessly complicating a simple theft with layers upon layers of lies without any emotional growth. Yes, Rick's disdain for the heist genre is absolutely based on mine, yeah. I don't think you should make episodes based on your hatred of something. Whatever, man. Like, I'm, I just think it's ironic that the heist genre uh, steals so much money from uh, culture. <laughs> this isn't even the first time Rick and Morty has trashed this kind of storytelling. Season 1, Episode 4, M. Night Shyamalians, featured a similar plot with a race of alien scammers who trap people in simulations to get them to reveal their secrets. There are simulations within simulations within simulations, like the dream within a dream within a dream heist of Inception, and each simulation is revealed as an annoying gotcha until Rick just blows them all up. Dan Harmon has also mocked the conspiracy twist plot trope in an episode of his sitcom Community, Season 2, Episode 9, Conspiracy Theories and Interior Design, in which Jeff fabricates a night course that he says he's taking, which is really one he made up, but it ends up kind of being real, or does it? It goes back and forth, back and forth, until someone gets shot. Or do they? Dan Harmon's issue is that reality-shattering plot reveals and stories have become such a worn-out trope, inserted into movies and TV shows just to blow our minds, when really, they're just there to make the audience feel stupid. Like, a lot of these plot twists don't do anything to further character along, they just reveal a master plotter, whether it's Danny Ocean, or Mysterio, or Rick, to really just be a weird, sociopathic genius who wastes everyone's time with lies when they could just steal what they want. But by the end of this episode, we learn that there's a deeper agenda behind Rick's heisting, one that is purely selfish. He orchestrates all the twists and turns of this plot in order to make Morty just unenthusiastic about Morty's own heist movie script that he plans to pitch to Netflix, and he incepts that idea in Morty's mind so that Morty will give up on his own pitch, not pursue his Hollywood dreams, 
and stay with Rick so that Rick won't be alone. Because we know at the end of last episode, The Old Man in the Seat, that Rick's loneliness is a very big deal. This whole Netflix subplot almost certainly came from the writers on Harmon and Roiland's writing team. It's kind of an insider joke in the TV and film industry that Netflix is producing a ton of content and they'll greenlight literally anything. And likely many of the writers Harmon and Roiland have worked with have been offered similar Netflix deals. Actually, the writer of that community conspiracy theory episode I mentioned, Chris McKenna, ended up leaving Harmon's team to pursue a very successful career as a Hollywood screenwriter. And what was his most recent success? Spider-Man Far From Home, a movie filled with the bonkers conspiracy heist twist that this episode mocks. Add that to the fact that Harmon's go-to community directors were Joe and Anthony Russo, who went on to direct Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. So is it too much of an armchair reach to suggest that Harmon may feel left behind in a creative industry that takes in profits with the kind of storytelling that he considers hackery? I don't know, however personal this may be, it is at least fair to say that this episode is hiding a deeper plot to reprogram Rick and Morty fans to think that everything else we like is hackery and bad writing so that we see only Rick and Morty as good writing, a masterclass on how jokes should be structured, how stories should be told, and how characters should grow. But really, it's just a cry for help to feel less alone. But hey, that's just my explanation. Am I a wrong son of a bitch? Is the MCU actually flawless in every possible way? Well, stick around because we're going to dive deeper into this episode with special guests after a brief message from our sponsors. Hey guys, have you ever been so self-conscious about smelling good when you go out that rather than hopelessly wander the aisles of a department store, you wait till you get a rideshare that smells kind of good and roll around in the back seat until your drive drops you off early? <laughs> I have. Smelling good is important, and that's why I love Hawthorne. Instead of inhaling the perfume inserts of old catalogs like an insane person, Hawthorne has you take a short quiz about your lifestyle and preferences, and then they send you two cents, one for work and one for play. And they offer this handy quiz that I loved with a scale for BO that goes from no BO to painful BO. And painful can apply to the emotional pain you feel when a bouncer stops you at the door and tells you, because of the way you smell, I no longer fear hell. They also have deodorant, shampoo, and body wash. The whole process is easy and convenient. Best of all, it's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E. And use my promo code RICK to get 10% off your first purchase. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. Use my code RICK to get 10% off your purchase. Hawthorne.co. Support for Explained also comes from Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. And I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Holiday sweaters might be itchy and furry, but you don't need to be. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. Or hell, take it in the pool with you when you say Milikaliki Makai with Daddy Griswold in that new pool he built for you. With the Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> certificate. The Lawnmower 2.0 comes inside their Perfect Package 2.0, which makes the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 includes the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver to keep your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell, in the words of Cousin Eddie, good. And their manly scent is attractive and will set the mood, if you know what I mean. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RICKSPLAINED at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code RICKSPLAINED. You can 
be a bad Santa without being a bushy Santa. And we're back to discuss this episode with us, the one crew over, the crew coos Morty, did I get it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> our special guest friends to the show, comedian and host of the New Player Has Joined podcast here on our Starburns network, Jesse Neal. Thank you for coming to the show, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And uh, as always, comedian, Rick and Morty superfan and heister of my heart, Tommy Beck told. <laughs> they shaved me. <laughs> they shaved me. They shaved my beard. It's gone. We yeah, we got some complaints from uh, advertisers. <laughs> Big beard just didn't want to have my face with a beard on it anymore. So it's over now. Well, uh, earlier in this episode, which you guys weren't here for, I was by myself, so you have no idea what I talked about. I um, I went into how it's not just about Rick's hatred of heist movies, which Dan Harmon has admitted he hates the heist genre and these tropes of reveals and twists and double crossings. It's also about the Marvel fan base, right? Because the past two Marvel films, the, the biggest movies of the year, Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man Far From Home, both heist stories that have these big twisty reveals. And, uh, and we know Dan Harmon has this history with the MCU and his consultation Doctor Strange and he got a joke in this episode that is a direct reference to his experience on Doctor Strange mm -hmm. so like do we think what what is his whole beef with the Marvel fan base <laughs> and and just fan bases in general uh, I mean I think it's everything like I like it all annoys him like but uh, yeah I mean I I think that he is a person that feels personally offended by kind of patronizing storylines like yeah. it's like if it it's like it like if you're doing something formulaic or if you're doing something that he perceives as lazy it like yeah. really bothers him on a visceral level yeah and fortunately for him he has a multi-million dollar cartoon that he can use as an outlet to express that instead of you know going to like a fan blog and post mad posting yeah <laughs> he does is, that too yes it's fun to just watch him shout from a rooftop yes and he happens to have the <laughs> loudest megaphone available mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i can't say like even at the times when i disagree with him whenever he does this i'm like ah oh, but you're so damn good at yeah. it you're right. so damn yeah. funny no, that i have to be into it it's so funny that episode was one of the funnier episodes i think they've had in a while and that's saying something because they're all generally pretty funny yeah yeah but the jokes were just so smart in this yeah, there's so many like twists and they keep pulling out they keep pulling out the rug from underneath mm -hmm. yeah. us like how far along did you guys get before you stopped even trying to follow the logic of the twist oh yeah i tried to last yes. right up to the end uh, of that back yeah. and forth about but two-thirds in and i was like i get it i'm just along for the ride <laughs> right at some right. point the joke becomes that we're making the joke and i'm just right. like hey man you do you yeah. i'm happy to watch every time that like techno music would hit oh. that would be like well, now we're gonna explain how this all happened i just uh, yeah and a little help some some old friends yes oh my god you son of a bitch that, of a just bitch. using that every time yes. and then yeah. the monotone you son of a bitch is like yep this is exactly how you make fun of this genre yeah, yeah. it reminded me a lot of the sequence in mcgruber which is one yeah. of my favorite comedy oh god films. yeah they had the same like Tug. predator hand class yep. but then yeah. they put the team together and immediately dies yeah. and like they just did that on repeat this oh whole my gosh yes. I love yeah it. Um, it's interesting how this episode did have a lot of like inside baseball kind mm. of jokes, like the whole idea of a Netflix deal. I wonder how many of Rick and Morty fans <laughs> yeah. understand like the deeper truth of like yeah. the, it's a very attainable goal. Yeah, yeah. Very attainable so goal. good. Yeah. They even had like the exterior shot of the sunset in Bronson yeah, Studios. Exactly like that is exactly like how it looks in yeah. Hollywood. Um, and the and the the at the beginning of the episode the concept of getting a professional badge at a comic book convention, yeah. which is like, it's one of those things that in the industry, you're like, you you crave the professional badge because it somehow makes you feel just a little bit better than the people who spent, you know, a few hundred dollars on the badge. Yet you're all doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. You're going into the right. convention hall to buy toys meant for children 
for hundreds of dollars, whether it says professional or amateur yep. or toy enthusiast or pervert. Yeah. It does not matter. <laughs> yeah, Rick's pride that he will not pay for a badge. Yes. He's yeah. so insulted that Morty yeah. would even suggest it. You have to heist your way in there. Right. It honestly is like, I mean, we've been to cons before. Yes. I've gone to VidCon mm -hmm. and, and LA Comic Con and like, the first year I went to VidCon, we were like, we had just broken like a million subscribers here, so I started to have like an ego. Mm -hmm. And the fact that like VidCon, <laughs> we didn't, they didn't give a shit about new mm -hmm. rock stars at that time. I had to walk around with just like the red badge mm -hmm. and just walk around on VidCon and having people look at me and be like, oh, he doesn't have the yellow badge. <laughs> oh, you're like, a fan. Oh, you're just oh. one of us. You're not important. Are conventions yeah. just the smartest and most expensive way to form in-group, out-group that we've ever oh, yes. come up with? Oh, yes. Okay, yes. cool. Yes. They're, yes. they're complete. Skills. It's a yeah. giant cafeteria <laughs> in a middle school. Yeah, right. And you can't sit with us. It's the right. funniest thing to have the badge and be like, I made it, and then show up at the same bar with the people who don't have the badge and be like, hello, right. I will pay the same yes. price for that beer now. I will please. also pay $14 yeah, exactly. for a Ghostbusters themed cocktail <laughs> with no alcohol in it. That sounds great because I'm a professional. <laughs> so by like dissing what they perceive to be inferior storytelling styles, it reminded me also of that South Park episode that went after Family Guy. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they're going after other fan things that normally people are kind of okay with or they like. Like yeah. I think it's okay to like the MCU and Heights movies. Well, yeah, we were talking about this before. It's like, despite these scathing and I believe correct indictments on the genre, I still love those movies. Yeah. Like I'm still a big fan of heist movies. They're yeah. fun. Whether or not they're they're enlightening in any way is kind of irrelevant for me. I'm not watching them to really learn about oh, no. the art of heisting. No, right. one of like, the greatest shames of my life was watching the entirety of Now You See Me and going, that was okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not proud of it. And I'm sure if Dan Harmon sees this, he'll think less of me. Yeah. But that's the truth of who I am. Yeah, is it okay to like these things? Like, they, they don't follow the same story beats that... Rick and Morty episodes do, but like, there's a you can get catharsis yes, off of yeah. seeing Danny Ocean screw over Terry Benedict. Yeah, why not? Yes. Yeah. The thing is, like, these it's fun to watch the movies and it's fun to watch the takedown of the movies. Yes. And if somebody were able to do a takedown of Rick and Morty, I would enjoy watching it too. The problem is Dan Harmon just happens to be the best in the game right yeah. now yes. at doing <laughs> these takedowns. Yeah. So the funniest voice is gonna be the one that I get behind and go, yeah, yeah I like this. I mean, I feel like Trey Parker could do it, like with an yeah. episode of South Park, oh but my I, gosh. I I don't think he would want to. I yeah. think he probably respects what Rick and Morty is doing pay too much. Money. Yeah to watch a like a comedic Just contest them back and forth yeah. like why are we doing 20 candidate democrat debates right now why can't <laughs> see like CNN get behind putting these two in a room and having yeah. them just try to wit each other. A little comedic, mutually assured destruction. Yes. Oh my god. So do we think it's petty for like Rick and Morty to do episodes, to give whole episodes like this, or should TV shows be doing this more? Well, Rick is the pettiest character on television. Yeah, that's true. There's that. It's completely, it's completely honest. Yeah. I think, I think it's authentic to them. It doesn't feel yeah, disingenuous, and it's something they've earned. You know, yeah. it's something they've earned through all of these seasons to do an episode like this that. Again, that, I don't want to steal from you. We talked about before, is kind of devoid of a B storyline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's something you have to kind of earn. Yeah, and they have. We watched it without really caring. Like exactly. I never thought, what what is what is uh, what are the other characters doing? Where's Morty's family? What are yeah. they up to? You know, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I find it hard to care about Jerry when you've got what exactly. is it? What, what was the Trucula? <laughs> Just a monster truck. Didn't even talk. Didn't even talk. Ventriloquiver. Yeah. You son of a bitch. <laughs> um, are there, because they've done Double like microwave. genre takedowns. They did an episode on Titanic and how like mm -hmm. goofy that yeah. plot mm -hmm. structure is. Are there other like film genres or fan cultures that you wish they would go after like they had for this episode? Well, you mm. know, I think one genre that gets kind of 
in my opinion, a free pass always as like you know like the worse it is, is often better is horror movies. Like yeah. people, people like bad horror is in itself an art form. Like B movie horror is like people defend it to the death. Like people will tell you, oh, you've got to watch like Red Mask. It's like 1985. It's uh, the budget was negative three dollars, <laughs> and like three people died on the shoot. <laughs> and it's the best. You can only see it at 1 a.m. at this one theater on Wilshire. You got to say a code. You will get nine. And people are like, I've been going for six years. It's my favorite thing to do. Like, I don't. I I would be interested to see his take on like very like mid level budget horror movies that we all just seemingly go no matter what. These are fine. Like, yeah. there's it's they're kind of unassailable. Yeah. But I think he could do it. I like the. Uh, I, I would say I'd like to to see them do a takedown of just multicam sitcoms, almost yes. the way that it's always Sunny did. Oh yeah. But like in the um, the transdimensional cable episode, I feel like I got little pieces of that here yeah. and there, and they got a lot of different TV yeah. genres in. Sure. So yeah. like, listen, if you do it intelligently, and if you have a good point, even if it's not like this, you should stop watching this. I'm like, yeah, do it. It's Great. It's I just, fun. I yeah. just realized the Always Sunny guys could be like the Alan Yang of the debate. Like they could come in as or kind of like the uh, Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Alan Yang. Master of non-writer. <laughs> Alan Yang is a guy I went to high school with. <laughs> Shout out to Alan Yang, Webster High School. Uh, <laughs> go Warriors. Uh, but yeah, Andrew Yang. They could be like the Andrew Yang character or Andrew Yang candidate. Like they could just come in and just throw out crazy ideas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff. Uh, but only speak for like a minute of yeah. it, and yeah, not get yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about like what's coming next. The the post credit scene of this episode was like seeing oh dark God. storm clouds on the horizon. <laughs> uh -huh. Had fun like Mr. Poopy Butthole yes. reflecting on like the layers Rick must have gone to to stage this whole heist. Uh, do we think that like they say it might be a twister? It's like you mm -hmm. know, probably might be another twist episode. Mm -hmm. Like the next episode titles are Claw and Hoarder Special Rictims Morty, and that's in two weeks. Oh they recommend the episode next week, followed by the season uh, five or season four mid-season premiere or finale, Rattle Star Rick Lactica. Um, so, which episode do you think this might be foreshadowing, and what do you think it is? What's the darkness on the horizon? Man, I don't. Be before I even touch on that. Great job that they ruined Mr. Poopy Butthole's life for a second time. <laughs> yeah. Just accidentally, like, here's your existence. We're gonna shoot that to the side. This job. Whenever I, I can never. This is one of the few shows where it's like I, I rarely see the twist when it's coming, mm -hmm. and I'm delighted whenever it shows up. Yeah. So yeah. like, I don't know if there's a Battlestar Galactica episode on the, you know, in, in the horizon. I hope it's for that. I hope it mm -hmm. all builds to that because. There's so much to love about Battlestar Galactica, and there's so much to hate about sure, Battlestar sure. Galactica. Yeah. So if they're gonna, you know, keep taking I mean, shit that down. Finale. Beloved finale. <laughs> oh, great, yeah. Yeah. This is the Planet of the Apes <laughs> twist, right? Oh, yeah. This is this God. Yeah. Never seen it before. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The more the more they can they can put off to that last episode if it's all building to something. Mm. I trust them. I love it. I hope it all falls down hilariously. Mm. Yeah. That's all. Well, I hope so too. Well, uh, thank you guys so much again for joining us yes. on this uh, this episode of Rick Explained. Yes. Uh, again, special thanks to a comedian and host of the podcast. New player has joined uh, Jesse Neal. Thank you for yeah. amazing. Oh, thank you. And, and Tommy, <laughs> yes. thanks for shaving. My apologies to Andrew Yang, Yang Gang. <laughs> if you're going to give that thousand out, don't skip my house, baby. <laughs> do you say that at the end of every episode? Because if you haven't, you <laughs> you need to start. I do. I do. And the uh, reminder is always to subscribe to our Rick Explain podcast feed to get audio versions of all this stuff earlier than the YouTube versions that will come out. Uh, and subscribe to us on all social media, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Yeah, we got everything for everything. You follow me at EA Voss. <laughs> and, um, and to close out this episode, let's throw to our favorite joke this episode. Your booze be
nothing. I've seen what makes you cheer.